thank you for joining this APQC Human Capital Management Podcast, where we bring businesses the information they need to work smarter, faster, and with greater confidence. My name is Rachel Collins, and I'm joined by APQC's Principal Research Lead for Human Capital Management, Alyssa Tucker. Welcome, Alyssa. Hi, Rachel. Thank you. I'm excited to be speaking with you today. Great. In today's podcast, Alyssa, you're going to be sharing insights from APQC's latest research on strategic workforce planning, best and next practices. So to start, can you tell us a little bit about the research project? Sure, I definitely can. So there were three uh, aspects to this research which APQC conducted with sponsorship from, from IBM. So first, in late 2016, we surveyed 101 organizations that have relatively mature uh, strategic workforce planning processes. Uh, the organizations represent 17 industries. They have headquarters locations across the globe, and nearly all of them um, have global operations. Then second, we analyzed the top 25 survey participants based on program outcomes, and we compared responses of the remaining survey respondents in order to find statistically significant differentiating behaviors and, and practices. And then third, we conducted interviews with five organizations that exemplify strategic workforce planning best practices, and we wrote case studies for each organization. So the organizations we studied uh, are MITRE Corporation, Kaiser Permanente, Phillips 66, U.S. Department of Agriculture Farm Service Agency, uh, as well as the U.S. Geological Survey. So those are the, the three uh, aspects uh, that made up this particular research project. Okay, great. Well, why did you find that organizations are conducting workforce planning today? Sure. Well, let's take a step, step back and just define what we're talking about with strategic workforce planning. It's really all about getting the right people with the right skills in place at the right time in order to fulfill an organization's missions and goals. And while planning is definitely more difficult given the current pace of change, getting the right talent at the right time is arguably more important than ever before uh, in our increasingly knowledge and, and high skill-based uh, global economy. And through this research and in speaking with APQC members, we see that rather than turning away from strategic workforce planning because of its difficulty in this time of, of change, uh, organizations are actually looking to improve their use of workforce planning. So they're looking to use strategic workforce planning to address a range of business uh, and human capital challenges. So I'll give you some examples. Um, preparing for the retirement of leaders and, and technical experts. Uh, closing workforce skills gaps. Filling uh, open positions more quickly. Uh, organizations are using workforce planning to reduce voluntary turnover. Uh, to improve workforce utilization and productivity, and also for meeting uh, targets for workforce diversity uh, and inclusion. So um, organizations are more interested, I would say, than ever before uh, in workforce planning and doing it right and well. So it sounds like organizations are still seeing the value of workforce planning. 
What did you see in terms of how they're going about creating and actually implementing workforce plans that are relevant in today's business world? Well, the organizations that we studied, those best practice organizations that we wrote case studies on, and those top performer organizations, those top 25 organizations from our survey, they've actually really worked to upgrade uh, their workforce planning to address the constantly changing business environment. So in addition to practicing the traditional aspects of workforce planning, so think about conducting that supply and demand analysis, um, they're also adding a focus on, on three things. Um, I, I call them the, the three A's of strategic workforce planning, and, and they're accountability, analytics, uh, and agility. And it's really these three A's that help these organizations keep workforce plans relevant um, in the midst and, and of uncertainty and change. So, Rachel, if we have a few moments, I, I could talk through the, the, those three A's and, and, and how or, those organizations are using them. Absolutely. So, is that good? Okay. So, let me talk first about accountability. The best practice and, and top performer organizations are making business leaders accountable for more aspects of strategic workforce planning. And this ensures that the workforce plans that are created address the most current and pressing organization needs. It also helps plans get implemented because business leaders have helped create them and they already understand the value of those plans. And they're also in a position to, to influence others in the business to carry out the plans. So that's accountability. Second, uh, the best practice and top performer organizations are using analytics uh, to prepare for a broader range of future needs. They're starting by using analytics as a door opener to get business leaders involved uh, in workforce planning. And then they use analytics as a starting point uh, for having discussions with business leaders that ultimately yields more nuanced information about future workforce needs and uh, the current characteristics of the current workforce. So rather than focusing solely on, on creating ever more accurate forecasts with workforce planning, we're seeing that these organizations are spending more time looking at the variables that should go into the forecast. Um, identifying a range of different scenarios, and then creating plans and interventions that, that address, address these. So that's uh, analytics. And then third, um, we saw that these organizations have taken steps to add agility to workforce planning uh, by placing greater emphasis than ever before on the implementation phase of, of workforce planning. So they're regular, regularly monitoring and discussing implementation, and they're making changes throughout uh, implementation. They're essentially treating workforce planning as a never-ending process rather than a document that's created every year or two. Um, and, and another important point is that they're making the business leaders accountable for implementing as well as continuously updating um, the workforce plan. So that's how they're adding uh, agility. So those are the kind of the three A's for uh, upgrading workforce planning, uh, Rachel. Um, we've got accountability, analytics, uh, and agility. And that's what's really keeping um, workforce plans relevant at the organizations that, that APQC studied. 
Great, thanks. So uh, when an organization, when you saw an organization does these things from the research, in other words, when they perform workforce planning well, what did you see the kinds of results that can be expected from that? Well, we, we definitely heard um, from workforce planners that, um, that because workforce planning is preventative and it tends to be long-term in focus, it can be difficult to assess um, the results. However, these organizations that we studied um, actually attributed many positive outcomes to their strategic workforce planning processes. So I'll give you some examples of some of the quantitative benefits that they are seeing from their programs, as well as some of the, the qualitative benefits that they described to us. So uh, in terms of, of quantitative benefits, these organizations uh, reported to us that they're seeing reduced voluntary turnover, that they're seeing a, a better return on their workforce investments, uh, higher employee engagement rates. Um, they're filling more of their job openings uh, from their internal talent population, and they're also reporting that their leadership pipelines are more ro robust. So those are actually quantitative measures that they've been able to um, demonstrate uh, the benefit of strategic workforce planning through at their organizations. Now, they also, as I said, describe some qualitative benefits. So um, these include having a better ability uh, to address the skill and capability gaps in their workforce. Um, they also talked about HR being considered a valuable contributor to just, just excuse me, to strategic decisions within the organization. Um, in addition, uh, they report being able to better modify staffing levels, um, having a better ability to manage their critical skill sets within their workforce, um, and just a better ability uh, to budget for their, their future talent needs. So these organizations are, are really seeing some really important um, positive outcomes from the investments that they're making uh, in strategic workforce planning. Those are definitely some positive outcomes. So if listeners want to start or improve strategic workforce planning at their organizations, what would be some things that you would say they should do first? Well, first I'd say uh, if you can put a core team in place, um, even for a large organization, um, the core workforce planning team can be pretty small. Um, the requirements that we saw in our research are that you really need at least one person who possesses or who is in the process of developing knowledge of what makes a, a solid workforce planning process. And you also ideally need one person who either possesses or who is developing um, workforce analytics skills. That analytics piece is, is very important. Um, so one would be starting to get a core team that has those skills uh, in place. Um, then I'd say, you know, start talking uh, with business leaders. Um, find out what their burning talent needs are, what their challenges around the, the workforce are. Um, start fostering relationships and an understanding um, with the business that you can use um, to secure buy-in for and, and ultimately participation in your workforce planning um, process. Um, and then I guess finally, Rachel, I'd say start. Uh, defining or if you already have workforce planning somewhat in place, start redefining uh, your workforce planning uh, 
process. Um, thinking about some of those things we talked about early, earlier, accountability, analytics, agility, making sure that those are part of your process. Um, you know, our research showed that workforce planning works best when a small workforce planning core team manages a, a standardized process for workforce planning for the entire organization. So I, I, when designing uh, or redesigning your workforce planning process, I, I would think about that level of um, standard, standardization. Um, and, and then, Rachel, I'd just say that, you know, uh, listeners um, can learn more. Um, we do have a full research report that talks about these findings um, in, in much more de depth and, and goes into much more detail on how do you cr uh, craft an effective uh, strategic workforce planning process for this day and age. And um, listeners can find that uh, at our website, www.apqc.org. Uh, um, on the website, they can search uh, strategic workforce planning uh, best and next practices, which is uh, the title of the report. Okay, great. Thanks, Alyssa. I also wanted to thank TH Easter Consulting, who is the sponsor of the podcast. And at this time, I'd like to invite the principal of TH Easter Consulting, Terry Hartwell Easter, to share a little bit about her perspectives on strategic workforce planning. So welcome, Terry. Thanks Terry, a lot, Rachel. On... There you are. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> um, right. Thanks a lot, Rachel. Um, you know, we... Um, appreciate the work that APQC does and we use it for a lot of our benchmarking in our practice and once again you all have done a very nice job through your research in providing that unbiased um, account of what's going on in the marketplace that's working and not and what we see in our practice um, so kind of one layer in are organizations who are often, often um, stumped by some of the um, demands they have where a workforce plan would be a perfect solution, but what gets in the way is how do we get started? How do how do we start doing this? You know, do, whether and where the analytics exist in their organizations is sometimes one of the first um, areas of concern and where, where they're a little bit stumped, and also just making the time for um, the relationship building and beginning those discussions that you talked about to learn more about what's going on in the business part of their organization and also what's going on in their industries. Um, you know, as you mentioned, we do live in this global community, and so it's not just what's going on with the workforce inside of your organization, but how that's impacted externally. So we have a little model that we use to guide our work with clients, and we, we want to share with your listeners. And so I'm going to walk through that pretty quickly, um, and we're going to also make it available on our website, um, and um, they'll be free to go, go get that kind of cheat sheet, if you will. Organizations need to have a workforce plan that will ensure that the people who are in their organizations over time are able to deliver against that framework. So that's really, in a way, the result that, the, uh, that a good strategic workforce plan provides. Um, the second thing that, we, that is helpful in the process is to really think about talent and workforce, kind of the who. Um, and think about, again, that external view of the competition for talent. Um, and today there's a lot of competitors, not just the other people in your industry, but there are 
um, what I call hobby jobs. So um, even though I'm an electrical engineer, I might really enjoy working at the local fishing store because I really like to fish. Um, and, or there may be, um, maybe I am trained to do a certain kind of work, but I want to write about that work and I want to actually do that. So the internet and a more open economy has allowed people to find employment in a lot of different venues, and so not through traditional employer-employee relationships. Again, among those choices is that lifestyle balance. Do I want to work full time? And so the, not only the size and the, and the numbers of people who might be available in your marketplace, but their willingness to be engaged in either full time work or not, and how long of a career. I think, you know, in my parents' time, um, people were expected to work till they were 55 years old, and I think now we expect people to at least work until they're 67 years old. But I think that there is a growing number of people who are not thinking about a paid career working for others that spans that that long of their life of their life um, their lifetime. Um, and then there are things like, of course, as you spoke about, uh, as Alyssa spoke about, economics. You know, can you find the right people in your marketplace? Are you prepared? Do your do the business results that you generate allow you to pay the people that you want to hire? Um, and then we talk about diversity, and over my career, that has had a lot of different meanings. But I think in the framework of a workforce plan, it has some very important meaning because it's not just diversity in terms of our race and ethnicity and sex, et cetera, but it's really a diversity of skill sets in terms of what are we good at and are those skills commensurate with the kind of business results that you want to to um, generate, are those skills going to be conducive to managing the workforce that you need to produce those results? So in our work, one of the things we're seeing is a big shift, particularly at the executive level, for a much stronger command of the soft skills, being able to connect, being able to uh, inspire and influence. Um, those are things that are important today. And then lastly is um, when we talk about people is, you know, kind of where is this workplace happening? Is it, at, is it at your corporate location? Are people at working at home? Are they working in client organizations? And so when we talk about creating that organizational stickiness, are we going to be able to do that when people aren't engaging with us regularly? So again, that need to have leaders who have those stronger uh, skills is going to be paramount to the future success of your workforce plan. And then the last thing which um, I would mark on our, our model as being one of those very critical factors is time because we never have enough of it and we can't manage it. And so time will be that sort of wild card in, in the workforce plan in terms of, you know, what does that pace of change look like in your um, you know, when we talk about knowledge management and business processes and technologies, all of those things are evolving very quickly. And the degree to which that impacts what you do and how you do it is going to be important to your workforce plan. And then um, another really important and key factor is organizational readiness. Um, how adept is your organization in getting itself ready to change, to do things differently? And so while you could have this great plan, while you can be thinking about the right people, can you turn your organization quick, um, quickly enough in order to put all of those plans in effect to be able to deliver the business results? And then, um, you know, we want to always keep an idea, 
an eye on the succession bench. I think today that's in a critical state um, given, you know, there have been probably not enough investment over the last four or five years in developing um, some of our quality talent uh, and getting them ready to be future leaders. And so we're going to have some catch-up to do. That ought to be reflected in the plan. And then lastly, um, the whole plan is going to be impacted by what are all those things that you just don't know. And so there has to be some flexibility. That's where the accountability for getting the plan done on a regular basis and the agility uh, that Alyssa spoke about is going to be so important to keeping that plan fresh. So that's kind of our quick view on the world. Um, we're certainly available to help clients if they need help, but we think that um, this tool might be something that helps you at least start thinking about it for your organization, and you can find it at our website, theeasterconsulting.com. All right. Well, great. Thank you so much, Terry, for sharing those insights. That was very helpful. And to close out the podcast, Susan Brooks, who is the practice leader for HR Tactical Management at TH Easter Consulting, is going to tell us just a little bit more about the sponsor organization. Susan? Thank you, Rachel. Excuse me. Um, at TH Easter Consulting, we believe that workplace challenges require an analysis grounded in fact. We believe that solutions can only be successful when they're based on truth. And we believe great results are the natural product of reality-based strategies. And that's why we approach every HR engagement with the same inquiry, what is really going on? And we find that out by asking questions, gathering, validating, and analyzing data, and we benchmark performance. And then we tell you the truth, and we help you fix it. TH Easter Consulting is an industry leader in HR management consulting among highly competitive industries, including energy, legal, and professional services. And we're proud to be a 2017 Stevie Award recipient for Executive of the Year, Woman of the Year, and Minority-Owned Company of the Year. We bring innovative, innovative, informed solutions to the toughest human resources management challenges. TH Easter Consulting, real challenges, real solutions, real results. Great. Well, a special thank you again to TH Easter for sponsoring this APTC Human Capital Management Podcast aimed at bringing businesses the information they need to work smarter, faster, and with greater confidence. You can find more at APTC.org, and don't forget to find us on iTunes. Thank you for joining us.